0: thanks for listening to the stimulate run podcast if you like what you hear remember to subscribe leave a rating and a review if you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions please make contact via email or slide into dms on any of the social channels here's your host erwin with this episode's guest
1: All right, everybody, welcome to twenty twenty three. Uh, my first episode of the year, and I'm quite fascinated by this guest. Um, I think it's going to be a great story and a great listen, a lot of takeaways and learnings. Um icon kind of my language is he ran when running was pure um, and it was easy and now it's been a bit complicated or we think we have but I'd like to welcome to the podcast Grenville Wood who correct me if I'm wrong you are still the South Australian marathon record holder to date. Yes just I
0: think you know I think it's, I think it's about oh, what is it it's about 40 years or 30, it's a long long time anyway you know I think it must be close to 40 years so um eighty uh, 80- 82. So uh, 1982 was when I said that. So uh, which then, has to
1: be the longest standing Australian marathon record I would have thought without doing any research across any yeah, state yeah. or territory. Surely.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of keep thinking somebody's going to do it soon. They took um uh, Riley Cox took my half marathon record uh, only last year. So uh, and that that you know, I mean it was great to see that that he's he'd, he'd he took that because that, particularly that half marathon at a rank was the hardest race I've ever done. And even though I only, it was, it was the world record was broken that day. And, and it was, a, it was a British AAA championship with people like Steve Jones in it and that. And so I came 10th and ran 62, 23. And, um, and that was, you know, I mean, I thought I can't run any harder than that. And that was that was it. So, you know, that went last year. And so the half marathon, I think, will go. Sorry, the marathon should go, you know, pretty soon anyway. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. He's
1: jumped into the he's marathon, seen. hasn't he? So you would think that that's he's got his sights set on that next. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking about you, um, do you want to kind of give us uh introduction and, you know, your journey and where it all began?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I was like every really other young kid just running in a a club and I, I actually started, off, I was a little bit, you know, like you were just saying before, about i oh, just run a marathon. And that's exactly what happened to me. I kind of was running around the, the with Western districts and one day I just said to one of the, the, the top marathon runner at the time, um, you know, what do you do to run a marathon? And he just said, oh you run 100 mile a week and just keep doing it and so I thought oh yeah and I, I was running about 30 miles a week then or 50k and so for the next four weeks I said okay very next week I went out and started doing 100 miles and by needless to say I was absolutely wrecked for a, 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 a in a couple of weeks but then I didn't see Brenton Norman who was a state champion at the time and uh, until about a week before our state marathon and um and he and he said oh what are you doing these days and i said well i'm i'm doing 100 mile a week like he said and i'm running the state marathon next weekend and he and he said no 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 you can't, you can't do that just just you should you, you gotta build up slowly and i said it's too late now i've done it and he so i ran the state marathon the following week and he said to me on the start like look just run halfway to so now out and back twice just run halfway well I, I said to him i'll do that and um and what happened was when I was coming back on that first half, just before I pulled out, I um, I kind of uh, found myself leading the race, and I I daredn't pull out, so I kept on running, and uh, ended up running, winning the state marathon, uh, my very first marathon in two thirty nine, I think it was, and um, and then I thought, well, that's it, not doing those again, it hurts too much, and then the <laughs> selectors on the day picked me for the national titles um to run six weeks later to do another one which i did and ran 231 which at the time was a uh, was the third fastest marathon by a 19 year old in the world so i kind yeah. of uh, threw me into it really big time and and that was my biggest problem and it's probably a a bit of a lesson to learn with runners. and i i I, what i did is i just kept on flogging away at mileage and i was only 19 and i just became a marathon runner rather than a runner and um and and for the next five or six years nothing happened i just didn't improve I, i was running around the same times but not what i wanted to do and and so I I just suddenly said, well, where's all the best runners in the world? And back in back in those days, it was in Europe and in England. So I just um, literally bought a ticket and hopped on a plane. Uh, and I'd done a little bit of research by reading in magazines, runners' well, that you know where where do these people live? And at the time, it was Gateshead. Or, um, and um, I literally just got off a plane hired a car and drove up to Gateshead and, and lobbed up a, a guy called Brendan Foster, who was a, a world record holder at the time. And and I went to his, he worked for the local council. And I went l- l- literally at lunchtime, just before lunch got there. And I said, oh, can I see Brendan Foster? And they said, well, he's on holiday for two, week, two weeks. And I thought, oh, I've come all the way from Australia to run with him. <laughs> and they said, they said, well, He's not here, but his mates go out at lunchtime. Maybe you could go with them. So, as it turned out, lunchtime came around, and these guys came out and said, "Oh, you come for a run with us." And one of them was an international runner, and uh, and then I started training with them, and and um, and eventually um, I met my coach, which was Alan Story, and he. Basically, you know, just said, look, you've got to get some speed in your legs. If you want to run fast like these guys, it's 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 like ten thousand meters first, and then half marathon, and then marathon. So that's that's where it all started. And I suddenly realised then the importance of having that 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 base speed. And 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 now I think more than anything, uh, with the speed that they're running in marathons, it is all about speed,
1: like that's a big risk to take you know based on you're a runner you know if i said that to somebody now oh, i leaving my life because i want to go to kenya and the best runners are there yeah okay yours is granted because you did have the pedigree and it showed that you could really have a crack at this but when you told your parents or your friends and said oh i'm off to england because i want to go train with these people they must have looked at you like you're mad like what are you yeah well
0: you know that, and that's exactly what they said they just, you know i tossed in my job had a good job and um and uh and i just went and as i said just a literally i don't know when i look back on it now I after what the hell was i thinking because just to roll up at brendan foster's you know the the council chambers and say i've come to wrong with this guy was crazy really but that's what i wanted to do and and um you know, the first night I went out to Gateshead Track to train with the group, uh, I suddenly realised what a, a massive jump I was going to have to make uh, to 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 be as good as them. And and you know, really, the biggest one of the biggest things that really threw me was that um, while I was there, I joined Gateshead Harriers, and they have their uh, big relay teams, and to make to make the team in the A-grade was like, it was huge. And where I've never had that in Adelaide and, and you know, like just make, if you want to run the state titles, you just do it. But over there, the class of the runners, it was really something special to make the A-grade team. And, um, you know, you knew you were well on your way and and that was it. So, you know, it was, it's really just, I was, I was just training hard and, and starting to, um, learn a lot more about my running alan's story it was just so knowledgeable and that my passion now is trying to be as much like alan's story as i can because i realized over the the years how specific running is and how important it is to be looking at what you need um to be better not not just following bl- blindly at what somebody else does
1: and how open were they um To this guy from the other side of the world just rocking up you know like you probably have to pitch yourself and say who you are and what you are and why you belong but was it almost like oh hey mate yeah come along but or was it very much come along but if you get dropped we're not going to hang around with you
0: well it, it was a little bit like that i mean i think the the um the first few weeks, when it was a big, a big jump to to train at their level. I mean, one of the things that Alan used to say when we were, say doing say a thousand meter reps, he was very, very specific with the pace he wanted the the run. So yeah. if it, there was runners there like Mike McLeod, who was a, a silver medalist in the Olympic fifteen hundred, so he had heaps of speed. But if if Mike was if, if Alan said, I want these K's in two minutes fifty and and anyone in the group t- uh who was taking it in turns started to push the pace hit alan's step on the track and literally pull them off and said the, the the group's running 250s for this reason and um and then i you know for me early on that was a real push to run 250 where other runners it was easy but as i slowly adapted to to, to running those paces you know everything started to move quite rapidly from For me, so I I think what had happened. I was lucky. I mean, a lot of it was fluke, I suppose, because back in Australia, as I said, I started doing all those miles, and for quite a few years, I've just been clocking up enormous miles, and they were those easy miles and getting your mitochondria to develop, and and and. But I hadn't done any specific training that that kind of warrants you know kind of international standard, and so when. When i got to england all i needed was to, to somebody to say right well you've got the base now the next step is this and um and you can you know and that's what happened and then from there on i became very specific to what i needed
1: yeah i think we'll definitely get to the, the methods but it's interesting to hear that and again i think you hear it a lot by people that go to kenya and those type of places they turn up there and their biggest surprise is not by volume or the speed sessions or it's actually about how they need to slow down you know like they turn up to a warm-up and the warm-up is basically like six minutes a k but they're Mm. all 210 215 marathoners and that's their biggest learning early on where everyone is scared they're turning up to a workout to be running three minutes a k or 255s but really Mm. their biggest learning is about taking it easy um, mm-hmm. so yeah I think it's definitely one of the learnings that any type of runner should come across but uh, so we'll come to that for sure <laughs> you it sounds like you were just keen to learn though as well like you know you didn't go there and say okay I want to be part of this type of group but I know everything and just make me better you were going there going I'm inquisitive and I want to know how the best operate well, yeah,
0: I think that's very true, but it's very, it's very easy to be kind of humble over there when you're hanging around with a horde of Olympians, and you know you feel like who am I? I'm just, I'm just tagging along here. So um, it, it it was very much like that. I was certainly looking at what they did, and and Alan's story, his just enormous knowledge, and why he was telling me to do certain things, not just just do it, and wow. uh, and I think that 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 was the, the you know, that was very important for me to to be um knowing why because i it gives me confidence when i believe in what i'm doing and and there's a reason to 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 do it rather than well you know as i said early on when i did that 100 mile a week and i was only 19 um i didn't know why i just thought oh if i want to run a marathon that's what i've, I've got to do so I, I you know you got your results but it was it didn't flow on for the next few years until I started putting some specificity to it and, and, and knowing why. And, and, and even now when I talk to young athletes, I, I try and convince them to, to well, sometimes it's slow up, sometimes it's be more specific and watch the heart rates and things like that. So it is, you, you try and develop them as an athlete and um, just like I did.
1: Do you think it's important to be inquisitive? You know, A lot of people, because they're busy in the way of life, get program, do program, move on from program, and then things just happen. And they don't actually know why they're doing six by a K on a Thursday Mm. night. um, And then an easy run on a Friday or midweek long run. They just do it because the coach tells them. And after Mm. 10 years of doing it, no, coach told me I did it. You know, do you think it's important that any type of athlete trying to break sub four for a marathon to 220 for a marathon should still actually ask the questions of, oh, why am I doing this today um, and not on this day? And why am I doing a long run after this?
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think because there are so many variables in, in running from from people that are just starting running, I've got a completely different set of uh, components to build into their running to somebody that's a, a well-seasoned, international athlete that's trying to go really really fast so sorry about that um, um, i'll try I'll try to turn it off um is <laughs> it um but yeah it's um um try, see where i can do that um yeah so the the actual the actual um you know be, being specific as a person it's just like I was run 100 mile a week off you go that that works but then when you're saying to somebody right well I'm right I can already do 10k in in 40 minutes um what do I need to do now to run a really half a good half marathon that this becomes very very specific for for them not and and also they like you were saying before about running too hard or too you know too hard sometimes you go off with other runners and you and you do run too hard because they're better than you and you should be watching what you're doing so that you're you're not overtraining. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's got to be i mean i think there's really got to be times when you do train hard and i think the other thing i i've learned over many years is the old uh style of training that, that that people like ron clark did and uh, Herb Elliott, is all those those runners there was all that all that knowledge was based on previous knowledge and this works so everyone copied it and so i think that's where nowadays where it's a lot easier to get caught up with all the science and all the magazines telling you to do things that you need but it's not quite as based on you know that group of runners or yourself so there's a lot of stuff out there and um, what I said to a lot of people now is people like you know the top Australian runners from the 60s did have it right but there's a lot of things that they did wrong in other words their recovery wasn't there and their knowledge of that but but you know you look at ron clark that was running quite solidly you know most nights of the week you know 10 milers run at close to five minute miles or 308 per k and you think wow how did he do that but they didn't have the same format as what kipchoge has where he goes off and does 15 by 1k it's a different System, but it's still kind of the same in
1: a way, yeah. And I think you know, you see photos of people 30, 40 years ago running up sandhills, yeah, whereas yeah. you see the elite marathoners now running around Albert Park and doing three by 4K sessions. And you go, Hang on, those guys then ran these times, yeah. <laughs> Why have we now changed today to be doing these sanitized sessions running around? like sanitized areas surely like we are faster now like let's talk about you know the early times yeah. but we've yeah. changed up the the fundamentals like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense really does it
0: and well, it doesn't uh, i guess that comes down to i i often say to people um like chris wardlaw stephen monaghetti rob d costella uh, I, I, and myself probably to a certain degree we all followed that that same system of of the you know the 60s and 70s runners and that was very successful and that basically worked around a long sunday run easier monday really quite short and fast on a tuesday long run on a wednesday short and fast on a thursday Reasonably long on a Friday race Saturday, and it all started again. And that pattern, I think, was a very sound pattern, but but you you couldn't do that if you were trying to do fifteen by one k on a Tuesday afternoon because it's just too much work. so stepguer Monagetti, Steve Monghetti's training of all of his twenty minute Monetti fartlek leg um, is really intense, and he did that brilliantly. But it still is only 20 minutes and it's not going to drain you like 15 by 1K would. So it's the, and even though Steve tells me all the time it was buggered on a Wednesday night, he used to drag himself up for his Wednesday night run. And then come Thursday, he used to dread the eight fours with 200 flow on the track. But you got through it because it was short and hard. Where nowadays, as you were just saying, they're going with this, you know, three by 4K or four by 4K or, you know, five five by 4k with a 1k float until you've got 25k of running you can't do that and then go out on a wednesday night and do uh, another you know hour and a half run you just you just couldn't do it it's it's a different it's a different way of coming about it but and i'm not i'm not actually sure if one's better than the other it's just a different way of doing it and the more modern way i guess is maybe being based off of the long run isn't as important as what we thought it was. And and if you do some big specific sessions, that will get the same results. Or the long run being used partly as a session.
1: You know, yeah. you've yeah. just reeled off Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Your long run was two hours over heels or just two hours. Mm. It wasn't mm. two hours and then half an hour worth of marathon pace and you know because you are already done the training in the week so where as and maybe it's a point of difference thing where people are now a lot of coaches are saying well i need to be offering something different so in my long run i'm going to put something fancy in there but
0: yeah yeah yeah. i think that and that's very true and i think what you have to watch with those super sessions is that you don't um destroy people uh, uh, over a short period of time and you know i think one of the things about kenya is that there's a massive amount of runners over there running hundreds and hundreds of these uh, kenyans and europeans that go over there try to do these sessions but they don't all end up being Kipchogis. they all there's you know they all a lot of them break down and um um and you just wonder at times if they're just trying to push the boundaries a bit too hard and and, um, where I think Steve Monaghetti and Ron Clark's and and Rob D. Costello's training was a a format that you could just reel off and get better and better and better each year of your running life.
1: And I think the availability of information now, you know, this person trying to break four hours in a marathon is looking at your person running 210 and going, oh, I'm not that fast, but I can adapt a few things and put it into my homemade Mm. program. So mm. if the 210 guys doing marathon pay stuff in a long run I can do it but I'll do a bit less and it's like well actually you're better off just going out and doing a long run
0: yes exactly exactly and I, and I think you know I mean even even to the point where a, a four hour or 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 more a marathon runner still does have that um, need to dip into fat stores while they're running because they, they, they're going, a lot slower than Kipchoge and and world-class marathon runners. So their energy system has to work differently. I mean, I don't think you'd find that, you know, if we could put Kipchoge on a treadmill and monitor his his energy consumption, I don't think at any stage you'd be touching a lot of fats. I think it'd be all his, his, um, you know, he'll be just working so efficiently that he's still working on glycogen stored in the muscles and, that's, and he's got those to build up over many years of training at those paces. Um, so I think it, everything's different, you know, and um, I think you just need to think about it closely to what you want and, um, you know, and, and, and what you can achieve.
1: And in terms of the purity of running, um, the collection of data and the science, that is really now almost dictating a lot of what runners are doing right you know mm. we've got the stats right there the minute we finish a run we've got on our phone or the data's hitting us um are you somebody who over time also bought into it or are you very much like if i say two hours go do your two hours don't care how you do it
0: um no i think i have changed quite a lot i mean once upon a time i really did Think very much about the the, the long run, but I, I've I've certainly realised now that um, this look. I think if you look at the past runners, you know the, the you know you, you, um Ron Clark's and all those sorts of runners, and De Costello and, and, and Steve and Steve Monagetti. Um, I think that that system did work. But I think what we've we've learned is, you know, psych, physi- physiologists are very good at testing people and to work out why something happens after it's already happened. So if you get a top runner and you put them on the treadmill, you'll, you, you'll see w- what's happening. But not too many physiologists have actually come up with completely new systems themselves. They prove it works. And I think nowadays, what I do is I think I I try and look at it. I I do a lot of reading and looking at a lot of research studies, and you see that okay, this there's no doubt that lactates. We we understand lactates completely different now to what we did, you know, thirty years ago. And so you think to yourself, right? Well, the the threshold runs are very topical run at the moment, and people talk about that all the time. But um, I I think. I think by fol- by kind of blending the two, trying to look at what physiologists are saying, and people like the Inga Brixens in in uh, you know Norway, it is Norway, I think yeah. um, they're from. Um, they you know they, they literally take a a, a a blood sample at the end of every you know two K rep to see where their lactates are now physiology so i mean i've got those tests from 20 years ago but not not every trading session we do know now that yes once you reach a certain point you you can't operate you've got too many lactates in your system and and i think what what the physiologists have told us is, is to reinforced that and said yes you've got to learn to bring that down. So the threshold run and things like that are enormously important now. But I still think we have to think as a coach, how do we use what the physiologists are saying to being a coach and making it and making it work for that athlete. And 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 in many ways I think you just go back to how you feel because you know when when I have tests done uh, even now um they completely reflect the way i feel so yeah. if i'm starting to feel really uncomfortable when i'm running along you know i've been running for about you say, 10 minutes i know i i know i'm i'm getting close to my second lactate turn point and you know you, you've been in your threshold but you've gone past that and you you've moved into an area that you can't sustain and so i try to encourage my uh, athletes to 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 feel that and then you almost you don't need you can you know my daughter for instance she's been in and had tests but the tests she says oh it just reflected why i already knew so she knew that at 18k an hour she was quite comfortable but she knows when she gets to 18.5k an hour i'm getting out of control but you know that for the way you feel and, and and I think that's what training is all about. And that's what I think a good coach can look at an athlete and say, you're working a bit hard tonight. Just bring it back because tonight your threshold might be a little bit lower in speed than what it was last night because it's windy, it's a tougher course, whatever whatever it is.
1: In terms of like... You, you know your pillars and as a coach um, or even just as a, a runner have they changed over time or are you quite steadfast so you know you've mentioned a hundred mile a week quite a bit now if I'm trying to break three hours and I come to you oh hey mate I'm doing a hundred mile a week you go with oh. your reaction well you're either doing too much or you're doing the right amount but your time's different like what are your what are your fundamentals that you lean on
0: oh. I think my fundamentals would would be would be the variety. So that you know, if if um, uh, if if somebody came to me and they said, "Look, I can run a certain speed," uh, but uh, but when I when I get to maybe forty five minutes of running, I'm starting to really fatigue and get tired. Then that would if that would really worry me. But then I'd want to know how fast they're trying to run that forty five minutes. So it is relative to to. know, if you're trying to run at five minute Ks through a marathon, you would expect that they're very comfortable running 440 a K for shorter events. But if they're flat out at five minute Ks right through, right from the beginning, it doesn't mean you can't do a marathon in five minutes. But an elite runner doesn't do that because an elite runner is very easy to pick that there's a drop-off from, from one level to another or from one distance to another. Um, yeah, and that's what that's where what it's hard. If you, when you're looking at runners that just want to get through a marathon, you, you probably don't need to look at, well, what's your 10K time? It, it, the focus will be, right, how do we get you to finish a race? And then in that case, I'd be saying, well, let, let's just, if you stop and walk for a while and you get yourself together and you get running again, you're gonna get through the marathon. Once it becomes a timed issue and the times start getting fast, then specificity comes into it and that makes it a lot, lot harder.
1: So you moved into coaching post, um, let's say competitive run, really competitive running. Was that something that you saw as a progression early? And again, it comes back to that inquisitive nature early. Um, And then identified early as something you wanted to do.
0: Um. Not really. No, I think what happened was, you know, as as I was finishing my career, a few you know younger guys had said, "Oh, can you help me out?" And so I never took took a role of being. i a, a coach. I, people just generally asked me and said, "Would you help me out?" And I've just said yes. So I've never had big groups of runners, which are which are quite like I like to be able to think about an athlete very closely, so that I can you know really try and nail what they need um that doesn't mean I, they can't go off and run with other runners on a on a certain night you know if if it's a, they're going for a 12 or 15k run they you know they might do that but but i like to keep it quite tight and then my my daughter started to to run pretty much when i was retiring and so demi m- my youngest you know she she um, went. She represented Australia in the world cross country titles when she was a junior. Um, so she, that was the focus. And Casey, my oldest daughter, she's um, run. She's run. She ran in the London Marathon, uh, first marathon in two thousand seventeen. So you know that was. goal to get them to be able to do that and and Casey uh, is kind of getting back into it now again that's the one that's run the marathon and she wants to run a marathon this year again so um you know I've got a a group of older runners that come out with me and I try and advise them but um at the moment it's just my two daughters and uh another girl called Brooke Hines that I, I, I kind of help out through her coach, mm-hmm. um, trying to guide them a bit. Um, but it, you know, Robin Gorringe is who coaches her and he does a great job of being the support behind her. And we just discuss things about what she may need. So,
1: yeah, the, the genetics is a question that I'll come to, but on the, like the coaching stuff, um, uh, when you first started, you know, what did you learn about yourself? Like was it that you need to be more flexible, and it wasn't very much. Okay, what I say goes. Um, you know, what were the things that you kind of quickly learn about yourself, even as a person?
0: Um, look, I think by far it'd be you know you sometimes get it wrong uh, because because the human body is. Change is very is very different. Uh, to you, know, you can't always assume one person will respond just like another person because there's so many things like muscle fiber contents and 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 just their personality. So you know, I I think you constantly as a as a coach or mentor have to be thinking. I can't just think I'm right. You can you can tell them the facts and say this should happen because of this, but you know um there's so you know everyone's an individual like as i said i went out to go to england i was just very stubborn i suppose and i just wanted to go and not everyone's like that and would do would make that decision to just go to the other side of the world or go to kenya um so everyone everyone is different um I, i do like to be able to discuss i like an athlete that can tell me how they're feeling and what they're you know how hard it really is um, it's easy when they're they're young because I I, I think you can pain train the mind a lot easier in young athletes than somebody starting at an older age because you know running at the elite level is quite a painful experience and that tolerance you know the, the human body's got a an inbuilt mechanism to say you're hurting yourself slow down. But when you you see these kids running and they've got no fear whatsoever, and you, you know, you see them at the end of schools races and they're crying because they ran too hard. Um, but, you know, you've got to kind of take it from that to slowly introducing them to harder and harder and harder work until, you know, it's just a normal day, of, you know, way of life for them. You know, training isn't easy. And, I in any sport, you know, if I, if I was a tennis player and I had to hit a thousand balls a day in practice, I'd be like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> you know. So every, every sport is tough. Uh,
1: and I suppose, like, what do you think of coaching now? Like, I think I mentioned or fair it just seems to be, it's just something that is continually developing. And, you know, there's so many coaches popping up. Um, a, do you think it should be regulated better? And, you know, always a, just a change of generation where there's a new generation of runner. So then now there's a new generation of coach and more people are getting into it as an interest um, as well.
0: Well, yeah, no, I, th- I think there's an awful lot of coaches out there that because of the internet and, and and everything online, it's very easy to make a good dollar out of, you know, so many, so many dollars per week to be coached. Um, and that, and that's fine, you know, if they're prepared to do that, it's it's not my, you know, kind of choice. I would rather um, do it purely for the for the love of helping somebody achieve their goals. It's but it, but then that's not wasn't my career choice either. So I kind of did I did athletics when I was going through university, and then. Um, you know, and that was a great time in my life when you got lots of time, and then all of a sudden you've got a family, and that becomes more important. And and then the athletics becomes a kind of a hobby. And if you can see people's success, then you know I really like that. But you know, I think I think the thing that irritates me probably the most is when uh, you know people probably uh, say they know a lot about running, but in actual fact that don't it's just they're just following everyone else's guidelines and and that's where you know go back to like the Allen stories and 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 even to a certain degree you know Sal- alberto salazar and all these coaches from around the world that have a lot of knowledge behind them um and and you just you just uh you know they're on a different level altogether obviously you know people like salazar you you hope that you know that you know that they aren't involved with uh, you know things that are illegal but um you never know you never know i mean with even the kenyans you never know how many of those coaches are yeah. handing out goodies <laughs> afterwards but certainly you know i don't think australian coaches are i think we're very naive to to that side of things and which is great i think we're a very pure country as far as performance uh, goes in in athletics anyway
1: yeah, and I think the results probably reflect that too, right? Where yeah. you see the results are sitting in the above the elite field, but not in that right yeah. at the top and where people start to question what's going on. Yeah, no, um, well
0: that's right. And, and 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 as you wish, I mean, like I was only reading last week that that the latest drug in, in Kenya is is not PPO anymore. It's nah. it's, it's it's um uh you know, stuff that you put in your mouth that's for mouth ulcers and that does the same thing you know it just improves your your ability to recover and you think oh my god what are they going to find next yeah. but you never get that and you know when you see that the boston winner the boston marathon winner from last year has been busted for drugs and this it just i think that's it it is disheartening because you look at the australian females in particular the females are doing extremely well and you wonder how many how close they really would be to world class times uh of the Kenyans, if they you know if if the others are cheating so dang yeah. because because when it comes to the olympics and and things like that you know all of a sudden these these super athletes seem to just come back to the normal level mm. and you think well why is that why is, why is that happening i mean how, how do you get a runner that can run 28 minutes for 10 a girl 28 minutes to 10,000 meters one day and then two uh, and 18 months later they're struggling to break 30 minutes to make a team and I look at myself and I'd say you're never that far away from your best if you've been injured a different story but if you don't vary that much and if you're down 10-15 seconds so you think why is that why is that all up and down so vast in some countries and is it is it because of other, other reasons and the
1: argument is always oh because it's a championship race, it's slower and you yeah. sit there and go well you're fighting mm. for a gold medal and yeah. it's, it, it's still it's as important as the new york marathon if you're lining mm. up to the you know like you said the runner will go well this is as important so mm. to have a five six minute variation it does kind yeah, of exactly. go oh that's a and, and
0: i think the same thing with the big marathons i mean unfortunately the way the, the large marathons are Uh, you know, really organize these days, it's all about the performance of the athletes. I don't think they really care who wins it as long as it's going to be the fastest marathon in the world that year, because that Mm -hmm. brings money to their race. And so I think there's a bit of not looking the other way. Um, and um and i don't think that's great you know where you don't do that in the olympic games or the world championships it's it's a a race and that's it so but you know as i say, keep going back to the pure i think it's it's still really great to um be able to 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 just help our people here and 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 work on you know just making them the best they can be yeah um
1: to, like I wanted to touch on the genetic side like you know having two kids um, who went into the sport I'm always interested to speak to the parents of them and how they handled that interest from the early age you know was it something that you identified early and thought oh okay let me just sit back until the questions get asked or mm. you know how did you handle that and some advice for parents with similar like at that point in their lives now
0: well yeah look I think it's extremely hard to be a father and coach it's not so hard when you when they're young um uh, uh, but certainly when they're when they're older it, you know it's a bit like sebastian and his father that uh, you know when 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 they're out of training you know his dad was coach and when he got home it was dad and i think trying to separate the two is is really important um when they're young i think the most important thing is is just if if you can see they've got talent in in running if they keen to do other sports like I was really into soccer until I was probably about 16 and I really enjoyed that because it was a team sport. I think you'd let them do that but just you know still still take them out to the running if that's what they want to do or any sport um it's but then at some stage, I think the the athlete or the child will want to start to. Specialize, and maybe the parent can guide them a bit to say, "Look, in my opinion, you're a lot better runner than you are a netballer or a basketballer or whatever." Um, but they've got to make that decision because, really, in the end, the passion for your sport is what will make you really, really good. Um, you know, my my um, my daughters—they just they they'd just love running. Now, I don't know where that came from. If it's from Going around the world and watching me running when i was younger or or what uh, and seeing that but um or the fact that they can run i mean you know i think if you're good at something there's always an enjoyment in it and running probably one of those sports as you'd know that you know so many people say i hate running you know i'd rather go to the gym any day where for me I can't, I hate the gym. <laughs> I hate the gym. I just, it's a boring place, you know. It's, oh, I have to go on that machine now over there. I mean, not, not, honestly, my my weights at the moment is I've got a big 20-litre drum out the back and I do step-ups onto that for my <laughs> my glute work. And, and uh, you know, I do 14 of those each leg and put weights on and try to lift up and things like that. But you know that that's as close as I get to weight running. But I, I do believe you know go, running on hills like the Kenyans do is important as well.
1: Yeah, and it comes down to those fundamentals. Um, you know, get the basics right before everything else. Yeah, uh, so. yeah Well, I'm,
0: and and I think you're right. I mean, get the basics, I and mean, if if you run, you know, running is going to help the most. I mean, if you and you run up hills, you're going to have more resistance. So that's again, it's very very specific. You know, uh, I mean, if there's one thing that that i've learned over the years is that the body is amazingly um is an amazing instrument or amazing piece of god's work that it adapts so well to anything that's put in front of it and and, you know even to the the covid and and things like that you know we've all learned to adapt to covid yes we do have vaccines but 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 everything in the body is an adaption process so you know as you get older if you don't keep up your weight work then you're going to have problems with later on with just walking so it's it's, an, it's a it's a machine that likes to be stressed and that stress kind of feeds back and it adapts to that and and that's I think that's in all sports but in running in particular if you think about I've got to stress as much as I can to the point where I can adapt very quickly and then stress again you can't go too far wrong
1: absolutely um again Grenville thanks so much for your time and uh one of the questions that I normally ask the the guest to finish off is if you had a message for your younger self what would it be
0: um you know what you know if if sometimes I'll say to myself oh I'll, you know if I'd if I'd ever like gone and done that but to be perfectly honest I kind of did most things I look back if anything now I think oh wow how stupid for doing that but I don't regret I honestly don't regret anything because I kind of look back and I think I was more stupid and reckless, but without being reckless and really taking the risk, I don't think I'd have got to where I was. And, 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 and I also realised that in, in the end, my I was limited by my talent. I was nowhere near as good as Rob DiCassella and Steve Monaghetti. Um, but I still got to a, to a level where I'm still, you know, at 68 years old, I'm still very happy with that performance that I did. And even to this day, I mean it, like this morning when I go on my run, it doesn't change. I just try to beat a better 68 year old runner. So um, I think what you've got to do is you, the, the end of ev- everything that you do, if you if you really believe you've done it to the best, you'll always be happy with what you've done. and you know, and, and that's my advice is just 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 go for it and and if it goes wrong, well, you know, at least you tried.
1: And I think the fact that you left no stone unturned, you know, took the risk and went. It's not like you're asking, answering that question now saying, oh, geez, I wish I told myself to go overseas and seek out the best coaches and the best running group. You know, you mm. did that. So you got everything out of that stone and you got really no regrets because you gave it all a
0: crack. That's right. No, and that's that's so true. And I, and I, and I, I, I wish more people would do that themselves and just – you know, they'll, they'll be happier in the end with well, I gave it a shot and it worked, or it didn't work, and um, and and you 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 really then you've got the experience and and you're happy with that.
1: Awesome, thanks so much. Um, there's so so many learnings in there, and I think we we just scratched the surface too. But um, I know that people really enjoy your chat about the purity side of things, uh, <laughs> and then also just I suppose sticking. True to your fundamentals as well. So, um, thanks again for that. Really enjoyed the time. And um, you're the first guest of 2023, too. So, no, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot.
0: Catch up.